Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The New York Jets select Zach Wilson, quarterback, BYU. Everybody. Welcome back to the Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at WillPaw11 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm joined by TOJ Legend, draft season moderator and analyst. Um, TOJ is, you know, one of the founding members. DA Osorio, DA, how you doing today? And you know what? After all this time, I almost didn't unmute myself because all we've done over the last like two years is Zoom that you would think I would know to unmute myself. But I am super pumped to be with you, brother. I was thinking before I jumped on, I was like, you know, this is really like, you know, I, so when I started at TOJ, I was, you know, a co-host with Joe on the TOJ pod. And I have loved seeing where you've taken it. Um, if you would have told me 10 years ago, man, that we didn't have the guest list that, that, that you've been able to compile. Um, and, you know, just a, just a really, really good content that you've been able to put together since you've taken over. I, I mean, I, I would have been like, no, nah, that's crazy. Cause like, just, you know, I didn't think we had the bandwidth to do it. Um, but, you know, so kudos to you for everything that you've done. Kudos to you for all the, all the listens and just grinding and putting in the work. And I could not be prouder of you. Uh, and I'm super pumped to join you today and talk, you know, talk jets. So I'm really excited. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Uh, that, uh, that means a lot. Obviously, you know, it's not been the start. I think me and you both are kind of realistic expectation. We talk a lot about this in our Slack and texting back and forth. 0-3 didn't seem that crazy. Um, it was the, I think we kind of probably underestimated how good Carolina's looked mm-hmm. thus far. And that was the one game. And then in reality, the Patriots have been a little bit worse. Carolina's been better. So, you know, yeah. one of the games, they just had some winnable games here. But um, being 0-3 is not my concern. It's more so how they've looked, generally speaking, through the first three games. What have your takeaways been the first three weeks but specifically last week obviously the fan base was more fired up (laughs) it felt like 2019 2020 uh you know Jets football not what we were hoping to see this you know yeah yeah it it did man and I think one of the things that I've I've constantly like and I didn't think I was going to be having these conversations before October right like the fan base talking about well you know like maybe we made the wrong decision at the with the quarterback and with the head coach and like all these things and i it's just i think it's so crazy to me that 
like you're at a point now three games in where you're like yo that's it we're done like i'm writing these people off right so that means that, so what that tells me and i and i said this to joe when i joined battle that means that either salah wasn't the coach that you wanted and zach wilson wasn't the quarterback you wanted and now you're just looking for vindication right like you're looking for that which means that like we will promptly drag you when it does tend to work out and i do think it is going to work out i do i think i think zach wilson i think the offense is close we've talked about that right i think i think, I think they're close i think that if if elijah moore catches the deep ball uh, versus Carolina, I think that's a different game, right? Uh, I think you're talking about a team that has lost three games in every facet, right? So week one, the offensive line didn't protect well, right? Carolina is much better than I think a lot of people thought, right? Carolina's got talent on that defense. They're fast, right? Uh, Sam Darnold's doing a really good job of attacking downfield, not turning the ball over that much, right? He played a really good game this past week, right? Um, so, and then they have, they have arguably the, if not the best running back in the league, the second best running back in the league in Christian McCaffrey, right? Then you go against New England, Belichick tends to eat rookie quarterbacks for, for lunch. That's just kind of his deal, right? And you had a really good point two, two episodes ago. So right after the Carolina pod, during your rapid reaction, where you said that if you didn't expect ebbs and flows, then you haven't seen football ever, right? Because Justin Herbert is an anomaly. Right. Patrick Mahomes is an anomaly. Like rookie quarterbacks struggle. That's just the deal. They are going to struggle. Even Mac Jones, there was all this talk right about Mac Jones and Mac Jones averaged 4.5 yards an attempt, which is a season high for him uh, last week or whatever. He took 50 attempts to complete, you know, to throw for 200 something yards or whatever. Rookie quarterbacks are going to struggle. Justin Fields has been bad. Trevor Lawrence has had some really, really bad interceptions. Zach Wilson had a really bad game against New England, right? Uh, you know, and Trey Lance, we've seen him in spurts or whatever, but even like in the preseason, and aside from that really, really deep throw that he had in the preseason, he looked a little iffy. So I think Jet fans, I think a lot of Jet fans, they wanted fields and they wanted a different co coach. And so they're allowing themselves to see things that aren't really there. I think the Jets offense is close. I do think this is a better matchup. And we've been talking about this in the Slack and, you know, I'll stick to it. We're going to look back at the end of the season and realize that that Denver game was just a tough matchup. Denver's a really good team, really well coached. Teddy Bridgewater, Pat Shermer have that offense humming. And that's without Jerry Judy, right? Javante Williams is finding his legs. Um, I think we're going to look back and say, wow, those three, those first three games were really, really tough. I think they play the Titans tough this weekend. And I think they go and get a win in London versus, versus Atlanta. I think they're set up to be more of a second half team, but you, you got to have patience, man. You got to, like, you cannot pull in the cord right off the bat. It's like, that, that's never made any sense to me. Cause like, if that's the case, then we shouldn't even play any of these games. Yeah. And you made a good point with the vindication thing of like, yeah. I want my point to be proven. Like that's what's frustrating me the most with the Sam stuff is that yeah, yeah. it's like, People that don't want Sam to be good because he obviously didn't, he failed here and, and the whole nine right. yards are like, oh, nothing he's doing is impressive. Like, that's not true either. It's <laughs> like the actual analytics tell you he is playing really well. Yeah, yeah. The game, that against, New, the game against New Orleans was really good. That was a really yeah, good quarterback. The people that game, want yeah. Sam to not, and the people that love Sam are like, see, this is why we shouldn't draft him. And then right. you've got yeah. another section of the fan base that's pissed off we didn't get Trevor Lawrence. Then yeah. there's a fan base that wanted Justin Fields. So it's like yeah. all these different things, specifically quarterback wise, that. Yeah it's frustrating like the jets were never not taking wilson there was no mm -hmm. like you have to people have to get over that and, and mm -hmm. it's not and whether the jets made the right or wrong decision they at least like for once were like this is what we're doing yeah. and we're gonna roll with it and not you know we knew two months in advance and obviously in the draft season podcast anyone that listens to this probably listens to the draft season like it was a foregone conclusion as much yeah. as you guys love fields you knew that was the case so look zach's had I think Steven brought this up on, you know, YouTube live. It was, mm -hmm. he's had one awful game. He's had one okay game, which was Denver. And then he's had one good game in Carolina, which is yeah. what rookies do. Right. Justin, right. Justin Fields, who's this like electric athlete, he had yeah. one net passing yard, like one, one. not one. like 
not like, oh, he had 200 yards or 100 yards, one. So um, I just think that there needs to be some patience. And, like, like I understand the non-competitiveness. I think that's the frustration is, like, yeah, yeah. We, that felt like a Gase game. But, first of all, Denver at home in September is one of the hardest yeah. teams to beat. Yeah. Um, that crowd is really good. Denver is really good. Uh, yeah, so like air, the Jets, right? the Jets just aren't meant like the, they're not ready for those type of games yet. That those are the games that are going to kill them. It was like Kansas City. I know the team sucked last year, but like a lot of the games, you were like, oh, they could be competitive here, maybe, and like maybe the Kansas City game. And I know Denver and Kansas City are different teams, but like they're not built to go on the road and beat a contending team out west yet. They're just not. Um, defensively, there was a lot more positives than negatives. I think you know there is some negatives, but it's mostly positive, and like the negatives are more on injuries than they are. Per, you know, through performance and Quincy Williams getting 90% of the reps is a problem. Um, but how, who's the guys that have really stood out to you? Because there's a lot, you could, there's a bunch of different people, but I know you have your yeah. guys you really like. Who's, uh, who are those guys? CJ Mosley, man. CJ yeah. Mosley, man. I, and you know what? I, I said it to anybody that would listen this summer. I was like, I think folks forget, like, he was at worst the third best inside linebacker in football when he got paid, right? And I think people, like, and this is kind of what happens, right? Like, guys go away. Right. Like you kind of see with Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham had 77 yards last week. You know, it was the first game off that ACL. Right. And I think people forgot just how good he is. And you played the position. You know how tough it is to come back from an ACL. Right. Come back from a leg injury as a wide receiver and still be able to have the same burst, the same cut. Right. And he gives that Cleveland offense a different dynamic than they've had. Right. He is their game breaker uh, in the passing game. So CJ Mosley's the leader on this defense. Right. And I think I think you're seeing that. I think Sheldon Rankins has been good. John Franklin Myers has been really good. And you and James both had this point. Pay him early. Don't pay him late because if he hits the market, somebody's going to outbid you for him because they think they can tap into that potential that he's shown already. But I think he's been really good. The defense has kept him in every game, right? Like Mac Jones didn't really do much in, in week two. Sam was hitting those underneath routes to Christian McCaffrey, but DJ Moore was kind of locked up a bit. And Robbie had that deep ball, but it took a while for Carolina to get going, right? Um, you want to see more from Quinn and Williams, man. You want to see more from him because I did this. I think one of the things, and, and this was kind of my frustration with taking interior defensive linemen in general. And we kind of saw it in San Francisco, right? When they had DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead, that defense didn't get unlocked until they added Nick Bo until they added Baby Bosa, right? Carl Lawson was the guy that was going to unlock Quinn and Williams here. And without him, he kind of looks lost. Sheldon Rankins is really much more active than he's been better than him through the first three games. And I think you need to see more from Quinn because if I'm if I'm trying to determine who's going to be here long term, and I think Q's going to be here long term. I think you need to show me that everything can't be perfect around you, right? Because that's kind of part of the reason why we got rid of why we got rid of Leonard Williams, right? And I love Leo in, in, leading up to the draft, right? And I was like, man, there's a guy that you get, you pair him with Mo and Sheldon and 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 Quentin Copels, and you have a really good front there. But then you realize, like, yo, everything needs to be really good around you in order for this to work because you get double teamed, right? Because you know you don't really get much, you know, in terms of sacks. And realistically, what we frankly get beat up, like right? Because you get beat up every play, right? Every play is like. Fletcher Cox is like a house. Like Aaron Donald, he yeah. gets beat up. He doesn't get beat up that much because he's quick enough. But like, right, right. He, everyone else gets beat up. Like Jerome McCoy else. for years. Like that's why these guys. It's it's just difficult when you play inside. It is, much, man. It is because you're supposed to take right because you're supposed to take the beating, right? Like I like so I'm a Mavs fan, right? And Dirk Nowitzki used to say that the toughest dude he played was David West, and that's because David West used to stab him in the post. I really believe that. I think David West had a pocket knife. It would just start stabbing Dirk. But that's what that's what it's like playing on the interior in the in the NFL, right? And I think also could, and you you had a, you had you made this point last season. We were talking about like just the pace, right? And we were talking about like all right, who do we want to see the Jets hire? And you said, listen, I want to see, I want to see them use pace more, right? I want to see, I want to see them move Zach around, get in the no huddle. And you said it this season too. The NFL has moved now to very similar to the NFL, the NBA in the fast break, right? Like if you don't have a point guard in, in the NBA, it's not going to work. It's the same thing in the NFL. You need to be able to move, right? And that, that, 
that hinders what you get from big men like Q, right? Whereas Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald's a freak, but not everybody is Aaron Donald. We're talking about arguably the greatest interior defensive lineman of all time, right? And so I think you see that. I think, you know, there's with the on defense, Bryce Hall has been really good, right? Like he's been really good. And he's been good independent of everything else, right? So I think he's been really, really good. The other Michael Carter has been really, really good. Um, you know, but but I think it starts and ends with CJ Mosley, man. I think he is a guy that is showing, like, yo, listen, I can slim down. I can play the sideline to sideline, right? Like, yeah, see, yeah, Christian McCaffrey was getting a bunch of catches underneath, but Robert Sala said it, eliminate the explosive, right? That's what we need. And CJ Mosley's the king of that in this defense. You just, I, I don't know about you, man, but for me, it jacks me up because I'm like, man, I wish Carl Lawson was healthy because I, I, I think that Carl Lawson is that closer off the edge for this defense that's that they're missing. Whenever you need to play, look at Von Miller last week, right? You knew the minute Von Miller lined up out wide, you say, all right, he's, he's about to say, he's about to say Morgan Moses to church. Right. And he took, he busted out the spin move and that was it. And I think that's what Carl Lawson gives the jets. And, and that's what I think the defense is missing, but man, the defense is, the defense is really good and they're playing hard and the offense is, you know, again, they're trying, man, but Sheldon Rankin said it. He's like, we got to help him out. You know, they, they're, they're taking notice of that, which is why, and we talked about this before, the Greg Van Roten comments, and I, and I know we, we were going to talk about this later, but this is why the Greg Van Roten comments bothered me so much, right? Because you see the defense picking up this young this young boy, right? And, and Greg Van Roten's like, oh, you know, he's got to get rid of the ball. Well, how can he get rid of the ball if you're getting pushed into his pocket? Like, how's that happening? Like, come on. You know, and then McGovern telling people like, oh, I was supposed to block nobody in the middle of the field. And it's like, come on, man. Like, this, this is not the way that you change the culture on the scene but Sheldon said it when you're trying to change the culture it takes a lot right it, it takes a lot for them to do it but the defense has been one of the bright surprises I think Sal and Oberg have done a really really good job yeah it takes a long time to weed out um especially contract wise guys and the Jets are probably have five or six guys left on the roster I'm not going to name by name but I think everyone knows who they are that <clears throat> long term are just um are not fits culture wise but defensively I, I'm pretty much in agreement with you I think Long term, um, and I'll get actually I'll ask you this before I get in my like so draft. Let's just fast forward. Obviously, we don't need to talk about the like full draft, but like if you just looked at it after post week three, and we know it, you know, we kind of know what the the Jets mo is going to be draft wise and um, you know free agency wise. It's going to be a lot up front and a lot of skill guys. Like they're yeah. not obviously they don't need a quarterback anymore, and they're just not going to invest a lot in corner. I, I don't. I mean, maybe this changes depending on where they pick, but yeah. I guess my this would be my question if you. The Jets have two first-round picks in two seconds. Odds they draft an edge and an off-ball linebacker, or is it more likely they still continue to build offense? Because those are the two spots to me that, as good as Carl Lawson is, he obviously gets hurt, and Bryce Huff's more of a two-down guy than three. Yeah. Um, you think it's more likely they go edge and an off-ball linebacker than, like, a corner and a safety early? I think they, I think they absolutely go edge. I think they go interior offensive line. I, I, I think that's exactly. I, I think if I had to put money today, right, and I'm looking at my phone because I'm looking at my my big board, which will reveal the week that draft season returns. If I had to put money today, I think the Jets take Tyler Lindenbaum from Iowa, right, and I think, and I think they take the guy who I think right now is not the best edge in the, in this class, but by the time we get to April of next year, will be no less than two. And that's my man, Kingsley Anibare, because I think when you're talking about high risers, right, and this has always been my worry, and anybody that listens to draft season knows this, I am not a fan of guys that blow up after one year. That's just not my thing. But Kingsley, very similar to good, well, to average Josh Allen in Jacksonville right now, right? Got better every year. He's gotten better every year. And this year, he's showing, he's got the most pass rush moves in, in this class, right? I think when we when we look at Kavion, Kavion is, I, Kavion reminds me a lot, a, a whole lot of Javon Kirst, like just an, an absolute freak, man, right? 
but he's not as refined as Kingsley. And I think this is what happens. I think this is kind of what you're seeing with the, in the cornerback debate too. Derek Stingley to me is the number one corner in this class, right? But when you've been the number one corner long enough, you start to coast, right? You don't, you don't, you don't try that often. And that's what you're seeing. That's why you're seeing Booth and Elam start to start to kind of close the gap a little bit, right? A guy that I like at corner is Sauce Gardner. I think Sauce Gardner can play in this league, right? But if I had to put money today, interior offensive lineman and edge, because you have to replace Van Rotten, you have, and, and my auto text changes his name to Van Rotten, right? You have to get rid of him, right? So you, you draft a guy like Kenyon Green, right? So now that interior of the offensive line, like now you go Beckton, AVT, Kenyon Green, and Morgan Moses. That's four of your starters solidified, right? Right? If you don't go Kenyon Green and you go Tyler Lindenbaum, then now you move, get rid of McGovern and now you pay big money for a guard, right? So now your O-line becomes Beckton, AVT, Linderbaum, whoever you pay in this guard position, and Morgan Moses. That's a line that can protect Zach Wilson going forward, right? And that's a line that fits this scheme really, really well. But I will not, because you, you you nailed it. Carl Lawson's going to be coming back from his, I think this is his third season ending third, injury. Two, two ACLs and then an Aaron Achilles. Right? So that's his third season ending injury he's coming back from. And while I think he's going to be fine because he's younger, there's been advances in medicine. You know, I would have never thought Derrick Rose would have been able to play ball the way he did again. And then look at him. Right. Um, so it's not the same anymore, but they, because you're, you nailed it. Right. I think, I think Huff is much better as a situational pass rusher. I think, I think he'll contribute more that way. You need a guy that's going to come and pair with Lawson off the edge to unlock Quinn and Williams and to help Sheldon Rankins. Right now, Sheldon Rankins is doing it by his damn self. You know, I mean, Foley's been good, but realistically, Foley's also a deaf piece. He's not a guy that should be starting, you know, like that. But I, I, if I had to put money today, edge, interior offensive lineman, I do not think they take a corner. I, they're, I, you're going to see a lot of, a lot of, they're going to be mocked a running back a lot because that, that happened last year too. Like ETN was always a popular mock. They will not take a running back. I don't see that. They, either. I think they're more, I think they take a receiver before they, unless they love a corner, if they love yeah. a corner, maybe, but I just think the way this has played out the first two weeks, all three of those young guys that have played the majority of the reps all look like guys that will either be at least a depth piece at a minimum and yeah. all looks like a long-term starter who's played both in chaos with bad coaching and with good coaching yes. and looks like the same player. Um, I think Eccles is probably a long-term three, yeah. but if he's a long-term one, because you can get away with it because your edges are so good. Right. Sure. Um, Michael Carter looks good. Gidry is a guy that like Gidry is good. Like if those are your four, four of yeah. your six that you go into next year with, and you had a veteran and you had a rookie. I'm okay with that group. I think safety is yeah. the group, and, and we'll get to the offensive side of the ball here in a minute because you know everyone mm -hmm. wants to talk about you know the lack of points. But <laughs> yeah, this yeah. is a really big opportunity for Ashton Davis, and I really I like Ashton Davis me a lot. Too. I think he's probably one of the three or four best athletes on the Jets. I know that doesn't yeah. matter, but it yeah. does matter to me. Marcus May is a much better football player than athlete. Yeah, yeah. Marcus Joyner the same. He won't. I mean, maybe Joyner's back here again next year and on a short, you know, one year, four or five million dollar deal. That's not really relevant, right? It's yeah. If Ashton Davis is a long term starter. It makes the Marcus May decision, which maybe it's a trade at the deadline, maybe it's not, and it's all smoke, yeah. and he gets an extension or he doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't matter at this point because he's not playing for the next four weeks, and that's yeah. his agent's a piece of. Sh it's annoying. He's being an agent, yeah. by the way. Fans, can we like stop with? Oh, you're a dick, dude. It's, guy, <laughs> it's a guy's job to get his guy paid, and the best way to get him paid is to make the Jets look bad. That's just the right. facts of the life. Right. So, um, yeah, Ashton's in a, a good spot because I think. There's not a lot of pressure on him because I think people almost forgot that he was a third-round pick that he had moments last year where he was good and he had moments where he was bad. Yep. He looked really bad against Kansas City. You know who else looks bad against Tyreek Hill in the Everybody. slot? Everybody. <laughs> right? And so, like, oh, he got – I remember someone on the yeah. beat. I don't know who it was. And it was like, 
I can't believe Ashton Davis got cooked like that yes. by Tyree Kill. And I was like, what? wait, what? Yeah. You, dude, yeah. have you seen like Jalen Ramsey cover Tyree Kill? Because it doesn't yeah. look pretty either. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the Ravens, what, when they played yeah. them on Sunday Night Football, covered him with three DBs. <laughs> and they have like a, re- and Marlon Humphrey's like really good at football. And Marlon so. Humphrey's one of the better quarters in this league. Yeah, yeah. What do you, what are your like expectations for Ashton? Because I think, like I said, I think he's got a huge chance here to yeah. make that 2020 class is hinging on those two guys, Mims and Davis. One has yeah. to at least be a long-term, at least depth piece or like a borderline starter to even be yeah. a good class. I love Ashton, man. Ashton was a top 32 player for me. Um, I, I, I think you're right. I think he's, I mean, he's a freak athlete, but I also love, like there were times last year that he very much resembled, he played that Jamal Adams role really well, close to the line, sure tackler, right? I think you're right. I mean, I, yes, he got spun like a dreidel by covering Tyreek Hill. Shocker. <laughs> Shocker that the fastest receiver in the NFL took the top off, right? Like, I, like I just, I think that, I, you know what I think bothers me? And I think, I think this, I, and, you know, I love, I love how passionate our fan base is, but there are times where they'll say certain things and I'm like, did you, did you expect something else? Like, did you expect a rookie third round pick safety to keep up with Tariq Hill? In, like, in Greg that, Williams defense, which is right, just you know, Greg awful Williams defense with no. Like exactly right. Who who Greg Williams has made a career out of leaving guys by themselves, no help up top, right? Whether you're a safety corner linebacker, doesn't matter, right? Linebackers covering running backs off of wheel routes all the time, right? Like that's kind of his deal. So I'm very excited to see him under under Robert Sala because I think Jimmy Ward developed really really well. I th- I have, and I like Jimmy Ward in his draft. Jimmy Ward in his draft class, but I thought he took that next step under Robert Sala. I think I think Ashton Davis has a chance to be similar to Jimmy Ward, where he comes down into the slot as a corner, right, but really can play that free roaming safety role. Can also blitz. I think I, I think that the athleticism that Davis brings, because again, like you're talking about a guy that runs an absurd forty for a safety, right? So I'm really excited for Ashton Davis, and I think I agree with you, and and. His eight, Marcus May's agent is who he is. But when he, when they franchise tagged him, I think you can kind of tell, like, all right, man, like, you're not long for this team. This is CJ Mosley and Quentin Williams' team, right? And Carl Lawson's team. And those are going to be the three highest paid guys because what we've realized in this league is the closer you are to the quarterback, the more valuable you are, right? Like, you can interchange the secondary as much as you want. I think it's fascinating. You look at, you look at Kansas City, right? And Kansas City has, you know, big man up front, Chris Jones. Right. They had D Ford swapped him out for an edge rusher. Right. Swapped him out for an edge rusher. Um, their biggest investment on defense is Honey Badger, but you're talking about a top three, top four safety. Other than that, everything else is interchangeable. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter what you do. And I think Salah's building the Jets the same way, where it's like, listen, man, we're going to put all our money up front, guys that can get to the quarterback, right? Guys that can stop the running back, all that stuff, all that jazz. And the corners, which is going to rotate through. I think corners becoming very similar in the NBA to what the, what the, what the center position is becoming in the NBA. It's just like, yo, listen, man, if we can get five, six years out of you, do you right? I think it's like, you, do you have one elite skill? Like, as a corner, that's do you it. have one? Yeah. Like Bryce Hall's elite skill might be his ability to read, right? Like, and that's fine. And that's his elite skill. Or Echoes is really strong. So that's his elite skill. And then you try to coach up the rest. Um, one more the offensive side of the ball. But I just think the Jets are 10th in EPA per play. And I don't think this week – this is a good matchup for them, and everyone's going to freak out about Derrick Henry, right? And, yeah. and I get it. A.J. Brown and Julio are not going to play. If you haven't practiced Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday with a muscle, you're not playing. It's not like a an ankle, a sprained ankle, where you're getting rest off it. Like, Julio has always deals with two or three weeks a year where he's unhealthy. This Titans would – I don't think either of them are going to play this week or next week, frankly, and they're going to have them rested up for Buffalo. Um, 
Derrick Henry's a really good back. I mean, I know he's the mm-hmm. best back probably in the NFL, but he's a volume guy. Yeah. And he breaks it and he wears you down because he's so big. If you watch that Ravens playoff game last year, because it's I think it's a really good kind of barometer of the Jets have a similar defense in a, in a sense. The corners are not the same, but it's a lot of up front, a lot of just like moving around and playing really hard and aggressive. Derrick Henry was awful in that playoff game. Mm-hmm. It's not that he was awful. It's that the Titans offensive line doesn't get a lot of movement, so it's a lot of wearing people down. And, um, you know, Corey Davis, who I know Jets fans are hate right now, was yeah. left the game, and then Tannehill had play, play action, and they just doubled A.J. Brown, and they said, beat us with the run game. And, like, and, you know, you're behind. You have to beat us. And Tannehill's been bad on third down this year. Um, I'm not saying he's regressing to the – he's probably somewhere in between Tannehill and the mm-hmm. Dolphins and somewhere, you know, where he has the all-time record for, like, QB yeah. rating in the season. <laughs> right, like, I don't right. think he's that guy. Yeah. Um, what do you make of the matchup for the Jets? Yeah. Um, you know, defensively, is it just sell out for the run? Like, Quincy Williams might be awful, but this is a game <laughs> where, like, he's not a liability just because the one yeah. thing he does well is hit people really hard and, like, <laughs> hit Derrick Henry really hard to bring him down. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're spot on, man. I think when you look at Tennessee, and this is kind of what happens, right? This is kind of what happens with these guys. Like, let's look back to to, to Patrick Mahomes' MVP year. 50 touchdowns, all that jazz, right? Next year, he throws 39, right? And everybody's like, oh, my God. Like, he's not as good as he used to be, right? Pat Mahomes is on pace for 5,300 yards and 51 touchdowns right now. And people are wondering what's wrong with him, right? So, I think when you – some guys, it's just regression to the mean. Josh Allen, right, in Buffalo. Again, a regression to the mean. That doesn't mean that he's suddenly a bad quarterback. What happens, these defenders get paid too, man. Like, defenders get paid too. And so I think that's kind of the deal. Like, you're seeing it with Derrick Henry, who he didn't have such a – he didn't have a great opening week, right? Then he, you know, runs for 140 yards on 40 carries or something like that. And then last week, again, another 100-yard game. And again, like, to your point, a volume carrier. He is a volume rusher. And the I, I can't remember a time where the Jets couldn't stop the run. Right. Like it's it's been a really, really long time, but no A.J. Brown, no Julio Jones. I and I think Tannehill without Arthur Smith looks closer to the Miami Tannehill. Right. Which, again, I think Miami Tannehill was a good quarterback. It wasn't a bad quarterback. It was a good quarterback. Right. But he's not the guy like you said. That's why, you know, the, that's why the Sam comps were always weird, because. Yeah. Sam's ceiling was always way higher than Tannehill's. It was Sam's yeah. play, didn't play well, and Gase is like really bad. Right. Um, and the roster's that the Miami roster wasn't bad at yeah, all. Yeah, Jarvis Landry, and, like, right? Yeah, they, good Jarvis old Landry, line, and, like, good running when, um, yeah, yeah. What's his name? Jay Ajayi, like he yeah, like, yeah, 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 rattled yeah. off like nine straight, whatever. So mm-hmm. that's where the Tannehill thing is a little weird to me because I think like he falls in that class of there's a class of quarterbacks which I think Sam will eventually fall into of mm-hmm. Cousins and Derek Carr and Tannehill and. Mm-hmm. Baker, the good quarterback. Baker, Baker teeters on that level. And the, yeah. there's a couple other guys I'm, I'm blanking on people right now, but um, where you're like good and you could get yeah. hot for a year and be a top five guy. And then there's mm-hmm. years where you're like 18 or 19. So yeah, yeah. Um, I just, I don't think that the Jets need to get off to a hot start. is kind of where I'm going yeah. with this because you need to make the Titans throw the ball. And if Josh Reynolds is beating you, then the Titans right. are just that much better. And like, good for them. If they, that's what happens. Right. right I, honestly, right. I have to live with it. I guess going to the offensive side of the ball, this has been the big debate this week is like the offense is bound to break out, mm-hmm. but there's no true evidence that like they're going right. to score 30 <laughs> points from going right. averaging six. So right. what are your realistic expectations for this week? I, I'm in the camp of like, they have to score 20 points plus to well, win. They, they just they in this do. league, you have to. So where are you at with that? 
I feel good about the game, man. I think it's I think it's a much better matchup. We talked about this too, right? Like like again, Denver bad matchup, uh, New England bad matchup, Carolina bad matchup, and and when you look at these teams, what did they have? They have edge rushers and they have corners, right? Tennessee isn't really built like that, right? They got my man Meigs' favorite corner, Caleb Farley, who again like. Sean Michaels didn't come back from a broken back. I don't trust Caleb Farley to come back from a broken back, right? Um, but but when you look at Tennessee's defense, they haven't been that great, right? They just have not been that great. Mike Vrabel, you know, made some comments, right? Which again, like I I just I'm wary when teams start doing that. When teams start kind of poking these teams, because Robert Sala is a guy who, again, his unit is and not Ulbrich's unit. Because I, I also have to I tell Jeff fans this all the time because they try to divide this like, oh well, Lafleur's the one that's not playing Mims and all this. And I'm like. Robert Sala is the head coach. He's the one not playing Mims, right? Like, you, you got to call it what it is. But I think this is a better matchup, especially without A.J. Brown, especially without Julio Jones. There's a better matchup for the Jets. I think it's also, you know, you, you're you now about to go to London, right? And then you get your bye fairly early, like this, you know, kind of this extended rest. Like, so you get two buys built in. But if you can get to that mini buy, right, at two and three, you're in good shape, right? And again, I'm not saying they're going to run the table and, you know, threaten and not that, but you want to get some good juju going here, right? And I think this is just a better matchup. Now I'm with you. And I was saying this to Steven earlier. There is nothing. Winning season returns at my bookie and it's time to get in on the action. First time players can get started by doubling your first deposit, giving you the firepower to add excitement to the games you love. College football odds boost, NFL locks this season's and over $500,000 in contest prizes live on site to make winning season your best one ever with my bookie. When in historic with a historic 18-week uh, NFL schedule, more action than ever. Uh, more there's more action than ever before. You need a sportsbook casino that's reliable, and that you won't find a better place than my bookie. I know you're gonna bet this season, like I have a little bit, and I've definitely lost a little bit already. So do the smart thing, sign up with my bookie, and use our promo code TOJ to get your first ever deposit match dollar for dollar. That's extra money credit to your account instantly just for using the promo code TOJ and making your first deposit. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. We'll get back to this interview with Doug Kyle right now. There is nothing that tells us that a team that's averaging six points is suddenly going to put up 45. That's not a thing, right? But the matchup is better. And Corey Davis matches up really well against his defense. And Elijah Moore matches up really well against his defense if he plays, right? And you should get Jamison Crowder back, right? Should get Crowder back, who, again, with Crowder, I, keeping Crowder and Mims, I think that's why they didn't invest so heavily inside him because they eat in the middle of the field and you wanted the reps to go to them. I feel good about the matchup. I feel better about this matchup than any other games that they've played so far. Even the Carolina game, man, the Carolina game worried me because I, I and I said it in our Slack, Brian Burns, Hassan Reddick versus who I thought was going to be Morgan Moses. So I saw George Fant go out there. But again, Morgan Moses and Makai Becton, that's the matchup. And what happened on the first play? Brian Burns came off that edge. George Fant decided to not block him. He got a sack. And then, you know, it was kind of downhill from there. So I, I like this matchup. And you made a good point after the Den after the after the Denver matchup in your postgame reaction. This is why you don't jump to snap judgments, right? Because if the Jets beat the Titans, right? Like they beat the Rams last year. The Rams were, you know, again, one of the better teams. What does that say about the Titans, right? Who, again, were are the reigning division champions, got beat by, by Baltimore last year in the playoffs, right? Took a superhuman performance by Lamar, right? What does it say about them that the worst team in the NFL, as it's been called, right, Uh takes you know took them out to the woodshed and i will say this too and I, and and then i'll pass that to you you look at the new york jets the jets are losing in a way that you expect young teams to lose right they are penalties you know all that stuff o-line didn't play together during the preseason you know how important that is you know being a former player 
the New York Giants spent all that money in the offseason on Kenny Galladay and Dory Jackson and you know, all this stuff, right? And said, you know, this is going to be different because Daniel Jones is our guy. I would much rather lose the way we're losing, where I think the team is close, than have to make a decision at the end of the year. Like, you know what, Daniel Jones, because I'll tell you this, I don't believe Daniel Jones is it, right? And now you're going to have to make a decision in a year where your quarterback class isn't, the quarterback class isn't even that strong. So I'm, I, I like the path that we're on. I know it sucks right now, Jet fans, but trust in the process. Trust that Salah and Ulbrich and Lafleur, they're going to get it right. And if you're, you know, because I've seen this, like, oh, we should have hired, we should, we, we should have hired somebody else and all this stuff. Like, understand the draggings are, I've saved these things. If I like your status, on, if you like your tweet on Twitter, it's because I'm going to come back to it. Like, I'm going to come back to it. So don't be that guy. Don't be caught in 4K like that. Don't do that. Now, the Giants are in the spot that I think a lot of people dreaded the Jets would be in last year. And the Jet, like Sam playing good enough to not suck, but the Jets still sucking was the worst case scenario. And yeah, Sam finished the season off better, but like everyone was kind of, it was kind of over. Um, I think Sam was over it. I think the Jets were just like, we, it's all, everyone had to move on. And like, I'm, I'm honestly really happy with the way the situation's worked out because when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sam's in a division like I know this is a Sam tangent people don't want to hear me talk about anymore like in in a year or five years who knows what Brady will happen with Brady but why can't the Panthers run the division for the next four to five years I think Sam is a much I I don't like I'm sorry people hate my Jameis Winston opinions as good as he's looked this year you had someone people clearly don't watch the Carolina game and then last week no offense that didn't that touchdown everyone's like oh it's so cool and you see how pumped up Jameis is did anyone watch Sean Payton's reaction and going, dude, you are not, you cannot do this. Like I cannot deal with, you have to literally be the ultimate game manager, which he's just not. Um, he's a really talented number one overall pick and won the Heisman and threw for 5,000 yards. Like he, that's in him. Um, so Carolina's in a good spot and the Jets will be in a good spot too. And they have, they reset the clock four years regardless. Um, yeah, this week's interesting. I just, Tennessee doesn't get pressure at all. Like they have to create pressure which is the worst case place to be in the NFL, unless you're like a Rex Ryan defense where you have such good corners that you can leave them on an Island. Bud Dupree hasn't practiced once this week. Caleb Farley hasn't practiced once this week. That's not good for the Titans because those are two guys that they were the two big defensive additions in the off season. Um, Kyler, like Zach Wilson's not going to play like Kyler Murray this week. Like it just Kyler (laughs) won the MVP week one on that. Um, But there is holes there. And when teams come in getting a little too like me and you were talking about this before Vrabel's comments while funny um don't not sure what the purpose of that is like why because that gets picked up and oh if the Jets kick off more than once he has every right to do it they didn't score last week so like he has every right to do it but I don't know I just sometimes when you have these games it's like a, it's not a trap because I think the more you say it's a trap game the less it becomes, <laughs> becomes a trap game um I don't know. I just, this gives me Cowboys vibes in 2019 where like people were kind of starting to be like, like, Oh my God, this sucks. And then like 
Yeah, it was the momentum of Sam coming back, and they got out to a hot start. But Dallas was missing Amari Cooper in that game early. I believe they were missing Tyron Smith, mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. one or two other guys going into the game early. I think, like, Leighton Van Der Esch maybe didn't play. And just got out to a hot start, and all of a sudden the Cowboys, who were kind of a similar team in a sense, a very top-heavy, they had a good receivers, but they needed to run the ball to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just – I don't see a reason why the Jets' offense can't score 24 points. It doesn't mean it could be two touchdowns and – whatever, 23 points, two touchdowns and three field goals. And like, they don't execute amazing. Um, but they every week it's been something else. They're bound to have come together. And I love this Matt Stafford quote earlier in the week. They're like, you guys have so many big plays. Like what's going on? Like why? He's like, cause we're executing the play calls are the play calls. You just have to execute. You work all week to do so. And the Jets just haven't put it all together. Quite Mike, I'll get you, to, I'll get to the Denzel Mims thing quickly and you let you kind of talk talk about it because as much as I don't want to talk about it anymore it's (laughs) unfortunately a thing yeah what's what are the expectations for Mims the rest of the year like is he on this roster the end of the year does he play does he not like where where is he uh like what's the future look like for the Jets what was supposed to be number two or number three receiver this year yeah I think he I think he ends up being the number two receiver I I I I'm not I he had food poisoning in the in the summer right he ate some bad salmon right and you know, this is why I don't mess with fish, man. I don't, I don't eat any food that I could swim with, right? But uh, he, you know, but he he's, he fell behind, right? He fell behind. Um, he lost a ton of weight, right? And he, there's a receiver that's really, like, I mean, his game is predicated on physicality, right? Lost a ton of weight. Uh, you know, they they drafted Elijah Moore, signed Keelan Cole as insurance, right? They, they cut Crowder's pay, though, which, again, lends you to believe that they believe that Mims is going to be here long term. So I think he ends up being the number two receiver by around midseason. I think that you start to see him play a lot, you know, especially with Jeff Smith, who probably won't play this 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 weekend, you know, because of the car accident. Um, I think you start to see him play a little bit more. I think that folks also, and this is, I guess, the funny part, man. Last year when we were leading up to the draft, everybody was like, man, he's so raw. Denzel Mims is so raw. He didn't suddenly not become raw over the last year. Like, and he, and his first, his rookie year was in the middle of a pandemic, right? Like all that stuff. And then now you get a new coaching system. So now it's his third offensive system in three years. It's the same thing. Like, again, like if we want to talk about Sam Darnold, we want to talk about a lot of these young guys, right? Makai Becton, third offensive system in three years. Sam Darnold, it's his fifth offensive system (laughs) in four years. That's Alex Smith-like. Right. That's what Alex Smith went through in San Francisco. So like and young players, like part of the reason why Josh Allen, I think, has been able to develop as well as he has, because he's had the same system four years, the same system. Lamar Jackson, same system. Right. Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield's on his third system, third system. Baker Mayfield needed a guy that realized, like, you know what? I don't need you to be Pat Mahomes. I need you to be Kirk Cousins. That's what I need you to do. But so I think that's kind of stop scrambling because you're exactly no more scrambling. Just stand in this pocket behind this dope old line and chuck this ball. That's what I need you to do. Right. But I think with young guys, man, your fans just don't have patience for it. Right. Like I so I played ball in high school. Right. And I remember they fired our coach mid-year and this is high school ball. High school ball, where literally all I'm trying to do is cross somebody and shoot a three in their face. That's all I'm trying to do, right? But it, so I think when you look at when you look at these young guys, right? Like Zach Wilson, again, he's learning. His, and I know a lot of people try to say, well, there's similarities between BYU's offense and the Jets' off, the 49ers' offense. And sure, man, like a, you know, a curl in that offense is the same as a curl in this offense. Sure, but the terminology is different, right? The counts are different. The personnel is different. Dax Milne runs different routes than Elijah Moore. That's just kind of the reality, right? Like they just run different. So this notion that guys can just be translated from college to the pros with no 
absolute growth is kind of a joke. And so I, I think, I, and with no bumps, I think it's kind of a joke. So I, I think with the offense, man, and Denzel Mims in particular, Denzel Mims brings a skill set that this offense doesn't have. He's really their vertical receiver. He's really their big receiver, right? Corey Davis plays bigger than what he really is, right? He's 6'2", 6'3", 215 or whatever. And he plays a little bit bigger, but Denzel Mims is an above the rim receiver, right? And you need that when you have quarterbacks that miss high, right? You do need that. What you're going to see, I think they're going to start to ease him in, maybe some red zone plays, right? Maybe some red zone plays early. He could also, man, and I've said this repeatedly, he can play that Marcus Colston big slot role. He can because he's big. He'll box out linebackers. He's too quick for linebackers, too big for safeties. So you start to move him around, but you also, and this ties back into the patience. LaFleur needs some patience too. He's the first time calling plays, right? And he, and also LaFleur, Greg Knapp passed, Greg Knapp died before the season, right? So he's probably doing a lot more quarterback coaching than he expected, right? And Greg Knapp would have been the guy to go over to Zach Wilson and like say, hey, man, look, this is what you're seeing. I need you to slow it down. I need you to do this. And while LaFleur is talking to the rest of the offense, LaFleur now has to do all of it. LaFleur was supposed to be up in the damn booth with Craig Knapp down, down on the field, right? So I think to Mims, I think Mims is going to be a starter by like week eight, week nine. And I think he's going to have a solid year. And I think he goes into next year clear cut as the number two next to Corey Davis and Elijah Moore. And also one last thing about just NFL offenses now, we've reached a point where it's all four down offenses anyway. And it's and there is no number one, two or three receiver. It's literally get your best pass catchers. I think we're moving to a positionless football era anyway. So if my best four pass catchers are two tight ends, a running back and a receiver, then that's who I'm going to get out there to catch the ball because it's so easy to pay offense. Now you just, you have to work through some of these kinks. Yeah. The Mims thing. So this is my, this is my theory that um, I've been waiting to debut all week. Mm-hmm. I think that the jets, I, I mean, I was at camp a lot. Denzel's body language and I'm a bad body language person. Like I suffered from this my entire career. It's like one thing bothers me and the head slumps or vice versa. When you're confident, you really like feeling yourself. I think this is the Jets way of like trying to harness what and get Denzel pissed off. Like I genuinely think like, if you listen to Sal in that Giants game, he was like, Denzel plays better pissed off. I think he didn't have a good camp. I wasn't impressed. I was texting Connor the entire time of camp. I'm like, dude, you love this guy. Like I, I this is the first time I've seen him in person. Like I I'm, I'm concerned, man. Like, I don't know if he's even like, he looked like not an NFL receiver at the time. So I'm like, this is not good. And then you'd see some plays. You're like, Whoa okay there's 11 like I see it now I see it um what what's I guess I'm trying to think of the right way to phrase it like what's wrong with them saying okay you play better angry your body language sucks and right now we need you to learn the playbook better because that probably is a real thing that he doesn't he's not 100 percent efficient on the playbook and it's like it could be overlooked if it's a guy that is maybe more proven you kind of let it go they're three weeks in. He played one game. He didn't play the other two. Maybe it's them challenging him, like, dude, earn this. Like, Brandon Ayuk got benched for two games, and he had 60 catches and, like, 800 yards last year as a rookie or whatever. Maybe, maybe I'm over-exaggerating. It was, like, a lot of – it was a pretty he- like hefty load of targets with Nick Mullins. So, um, I just feel like the Jets are kind of taking the approach of, like, we're not in playoff mode right now. We feel like Denzel's not one of the four best at this exact moment. We think he will be. They wouldn't be like, here's my thing. They're not trading Denzel Mims. Maybe in a year, you can't tank your val- the value of a guy that was drafted by this current GM that way and expect that that's going to, tr- you know, like he's going to get traded and um, you get, you would get no return. No one would pay you anything because there's just no reason to. So um, he's not getting traded. He's certainly not getting cut. I'm not sure why that was ever even brought up, but 
I feel like it's the Jets and Salah challenging. I'm like, bro, we need you pissed off and into it all day long. We need you locked in. Every rep, every play can't be five plays here. You lose focus. You mess up a route. You drop a ball. Um, do fans want to hear that? No, but it's three weeks in. And if Denzel Mims gets himself out of the doghouse and, like, kind of finds an edge how to play and play, like, the way he did, in, you know, at times last year, you know, even though he obviously got hurt a bunch and whatever. But, like, he showed flashes. He showed a flash in the Carolina game. Granted, every any NFL receiver should have caught that. But, um, no, I think Menzo is still a long-term – he's one of the three going forward. Like, I think there's – Davis, Mims, and Moore should be the three going into, you know, week 14 this year or week 15, whatever. Um, I just think it's, maybe it's the Jets going, well, we're going to give you some tough love and we want to see how you react. And, like, if you don't react well, we know more about you and we know that you're not, you know, cut out for this. And if you react well, it's – See, like this is what your what your uh, potential is. What do you think about this theory that I've come up with? I think it's. I think it's. I don't think it's a totally off base one, man. I think when you some of these guys, right? Like it's been easy to them for a long time, right? Like I used to rap, man. Rapping was easy, so you couldn't even get me to rap angry because I'm like, oh, I can do this anyway. <laughs> I can do this, whatever, right? Um, and I think that's the. I think that's the deal with a lot of these athletes. I think a lot of them, it's just easy. It's just easy, right? Like. Denzel Mims has probably been the biggest, fastest dude everywhere he went. And then now you, now you got a coach that's like, yo, but I, okay, you're the biggest and the fastest, but I need you to run this slant, right? I need you to catch with your hands, not your body, right? I need you to do, right? I need you to do the finer things that make you one of the better receivers in this league. Because realistically, like big and tall receivers, they've been here in the NFL before, right? Like part of the reason why DK Metcalf is so good, right? Is because DK Metcalf, they, they, DK Metcalf heard all the, oh, he can't turn his hips. And was like, oh, I'm going to show you that I can take a slant to the house, though, right? Like, he, like to your point earlier, one elite skill, right? DK Metcalf, when he has the ball in his hands, is running as if he, as, as if somebody is chasing him every chance he gets, every chance, right? They used to say this in Madden, right? He's got, you know, Chris Berman said he's got running away from the cop speed, right? Like that's what Chris Berman used to say, and that's DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf has the ball in his hands. And he's like, yo, I am trying to take it to the house every chance I get, right? Denzel Mims, like Denzel Mims is a more fluid athlete than DK Metcalf in the sense of like, whereas DK Metcalf is almost like a runaway locomotive, right? Like Denzel Mims is like, he's got these longer strides, right? It's, it's, it's kind of like a bigger gazelle in that sense or whatever. So it's like, bro, like, I, yes, I get why, I get why Salah, I need you, I need you to show me that all the time, right? Because I'll get, because Elijah Moore, Elijah Moore plays every down as if it's his last down, everyone. Corey Davis was guilty of that, of the being too cool for a long time too, right? Like Corey Davis, again, people forget, top five pick, was taken to be a game-breaking wide receiver and was a little iffy early on too, right? Because again, when you're used to being the biggest and the fastest and dudes start putting hands on you or whatever in the NFL and you can't use your speed or your size to break away because everybody in the NFL is big and fast, then what happens? Zach Wilson's a guy too that I will say because Zach Wilson will look for Mims and, 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 even in the preseason, you saw it. Even in that first in the Carolina game, you saw it. He'll look for Mims because Mims is so damn big. It's hard to miss him, right? I think sometimes he doesn't look at Elijah Moore because Elijah Moore is small. James had that take in the draft season thing, and I was like, you know what? I was like, that might be it, right? Like he because he misses more, so more more will be wide open, and he's always looking for Corey Davis, right? Like I said, maybe they're the bigger receivers, but I think with Mims, I think you're gonna see a guy who sometimes you got to remind these players, right? Like yo. It could be taken from you like that. If I was Denzel Mims, I'd be livid that a guy named Jeff Smith took my spot. Like guys with accountant names should not be taking your position. That's not a thing that should be happening. So yeah, I think I think that's part of it. I don't think it's a crazy far fetched theory at all. I think it's a good. I think it's a good point. 
Yeah, it's just like I just think they wanna they wanna see him earn it. And like it's annoying as the team's not good right now. So it's annoying to be like, you know, oh, we're smoking his development. Look, at the end of the day, the only thing I have a gripe with is I don't want to hear about practice. I know it's coach speak and you have to do it and it's try to deflect from the situation, but the playbook and practice just be like we're trying to we want to motivate Denzel. Maybe he does better with a little bit of like kind of um instead of and maybe he's a pat on the back guy i don't know denzel Mims personally so i I can't um kind of say um you know from that perspective how he reacts but look i know we'll get into kind of a you know prediction right now before we wrap but i mean people i've talked to in the locker room like they they had a not a players only meeting but like a we got we're gonna we got to get this right like there's frustration there but i think that the vibes are high in the locker room i think people are they feel really good about like they're close and it's like, we want to get this right. They have to get off to a hot start. Um, I, I think they cannot afford to go three and out and then give up points and drive one. I just think it's, it sets such a bad precedent. You want to get the fans into it. You want to use the home, the home crowd, like fans want to be excited. Like, I think that people forget like Twitter is not the majority of Jets fans, right? Like, first of all, go on Facebook and you want to talk about negative people, look at a Jets Facebook page on Facebook like that. That is way worse than whatever you think you see on Jets Twitter. So um, I guess prediction, maybe one or two things that they need to do to win. And um, yeah, we'll we'll go go from there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to say that I think the Jets win. Um, I think that they win 20 to 17. Uh, so I don't think they get over 20, uh, but I think the defense does their job. Um, I will not go all Steven Zant and say that we will score 30 or whatever it was he was saying. <laughs> uh, but, but I do think, because I do think that, I think Zach, the second half versus Carolina, you saw them move him around a lot, right? Like you saw them get him, get him moving so he can have easier throwing lanes. I think you see more of that. I think the offensive line was pretty good versus New England. And the offensive line has been better without Becton, which is weird, but also not that weird because I think Makai Becton, I think when you have a guy who's elite, and you know this being a Nets fan, when you have like you know Kevin Durant, right? Kevin Durant's at worst the second worst, the second best basketball player in the world. When you have a guy like Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant tends to make it easier for other guys, right? So other guys don't try as hard. It's like, we got KD, KD's going to bail us out, right? I think Makai Becton is kind of in that stratosphere in the sense of like, yo, he's so good and the potential is all pro, all world potential that guys don't try as hard. Like, yo, Makai's going to try as hard. We don't have to, right? Um, so now you don't have him. So now, and Fant, I think, is playing to try to be here long term. I think Moses is reminding folks that, yo, Moses is still a really good, like PFF has I want to get paid. Like, I, right, I want to get paid. I got, I got shafted. I'm getting paid. I'm here. getting paid. Exactly. And PFF rated him as the 10th best right tackle in the league so far through three, through three games, right? Um, so the offensive line, I think, will be better. The, the the Titans don't have any pass rushing threats that really scare me like that, right? Like, it scared me enough that I'm like, oh, man, like, this is a tough matchup. It's not Brian Burns, right? It's not Hassan Reddick. It's not Von Miller, right? Like it, it, so it's it's, diff- it's not that, right? Um, I think that the Jets are going to play a fairly clean game. Um, I think Michael Carter, the original Michael Carter, I think he has a big game, man. And, and he came, he had a really nice game last week, I thought. And he And he – very clearly has shown that he should be the starting running back. And Ty Johnson needs to never run a slant on this team a day in his life. Um, so I'm going 2017 Jets. I think the defense plays really, really well. Gets to Tannehill a bunch of times. Um, and I feel good about that. I feel very, very good about that. I predicted the Jets would play closer to Denver. And then I remembered that, you know, LaFleur was like, oh, I don't really like being in mile high. I need to get the hell out of here. So that didn't work out. But I'm banking. I, I, I think we went by a field goal. What about you? What are you thinking? 
Yeah, so I went 28-13 last week. I just thought the Jets would score, but I kind of thought Denver would end up where they did. They, they're they not really an exciting offensive team, but they are really efficient. I think they're the slowest and most efficient offense in football, which Teddy Bridgewater offense kind of sounds slow and efficient. Um, I'm going Jets win as well. I, I Maybe it's false – it's not false confidence. It's maybe it's a little bit of green goggles in some sense, but at the same time, like there's nothing that's tell me like the locker room's broken or the jets are all down the dumps. Like everything I know about like this team is they're not going to like, especially at home, like go back and watch that new England game and game and tell me like, if Zach doesn't play that badly, like they're not in that game until the fourth quarter and maybe win. So I was going to go 24, 20. I think Jets get off to a faster start. I think it's like, I really think it's similar to Dallas game where they, it's like they're up 17, three at half or something like crazy like that, where like everyone's kind of juiced. And then the second half, it's like holding on for dear life, watching the clock wind down. Um, there's no reason they can't go into the bye two and three. And I, I don't, I know it's crazy to say that after last week, there's no, like their schedule lines up that the Jets have a chance to win four of the next five games. Um, I don't think they win New England, but that's just because I think, whatever that's a whole nother discussion we'll have that when we get there um they've got three the three of the next four games specifically um this week against home against tennessee shorthanded atlanta on a neutral site who's really bad and just as bad as the jets they beat the giants i'm not impressed they have cincinnati coming up in the in new york and i know the Bengals are off to a hot start uh, well i'll let that happen when zach taylor proves to me that he can beat somebody in a relevant situation outside of september so um yeah i think the jets win 24 20 would I be surprised if the Titans win 28 to 13? Yeah, I would. I just, I don't think that, I don't think this is that type of game. I think if the Jets lose, it's because they don't score enough points. They need to create a turnover on special teams or defense. Have to. Defense has been really good at bending and not breaking and like getting pressure, but they need to probably get to the quarterback a little extra um, and finish plays, which they didn't do against Carolina. I think they need to create a turnover, which they did against Carolina. They did against Denver as well. Um, but like they weren't really as meaningful, I guess. I just think you create a turnover, a big play. You have to hit one big play on offense. It's got to be 25, 30 yarder. It's got to be a play action post. There'd be something that like gets Zach and not just short throws to get Zach's confidence going. I know that's we keep harping on is like, yeah, you want to see completions, but I need Zach to like throw a Zach Wilson pro day ball or not like necessarily that one throw, but like the way of like his skill set. I'm going on a tangent here, but his skill set is very much like I make him make any throw on the field and like the big play is his thing. And then he's, he is really good in the short game, but like he hasn't shown it as much. I, I just don't need him. Like, I need, I don't want Alex Smith as my quarterback. That's not why the Jets drafted Zach Wilson. So I don't want him to get that taken away because where he struggled in Denver, which he didn't struggle a lot, but he missed a lot of guys. Cause it's like locked, locked, locked. I can't, I can't like, it's got to be a happy medium. So if Zach plays a relatively clean game, but I'd much rather the Carolina game with one pick and two touchdowns and throwing for 275 yards and like looking really good than, um, than the Denver game where I know he threw two picks, but until then it was kind of like, Oh, he's not doing badly. Like like to see a good game, run the ball. You made a good point. Get Tevin Coleman. I mean, Tevin Coleman and, Tevin, and Ty Johnson early in downs. I, they don't need them on third down ever. Michael Carter is a much better receiver, much more elusive run the ball a little bit early. You can throw on first down. It wouldn't kill you. And then you can run on second down. Those things do exist. Um, while I love, and I know, and Meeks pointed this out in our Slack, it's great that the Jets throw the most on any team on second and 10 or longer. That's amazing. Very ungaisly. They don't need to be in second and 10 every time. <laughs> like that doesn't need to happen. And then it becomes predictable. So yeah, 24-20 win. 
Um, we'll wrap that. We'll wrap this up here. Draft season's coming back October 25th. DA, James, Joe, and Meeks. Very excited to kind of tune into that. Obviously, you know, it'll get you guys in time. By that time, we'll kind of know where the Jets are at realistically for the year, whether they're four and seven or, or whatever, four and six, or they're one and nine. Um, Seattle doesn't look great so far. So the Jets right now would have one and 11 in the draft and 33 and whatever, but um, anything else. Uh, but we obviously appreciate, you know, hopping on and getting a, getting a legend like DA himself on the pod. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that, man. And, and you guys know where to find me on Twitter at DA underscore Osario. Like Will said, draft season returns. I will also unveil TOJ's draft season website that week, um, which will have our composite big board, our individual big boards, different, you know, different uh, prospect reviews, uh, prospect scouting reports, things like that. Um, will, you have been crushing it, man. Keep up the absolute great work. Um, and you guys know where to find all of us, man. TOJ has grown into such a big thing right compared to where, where I was 10 years ago um and honestly it's because of dudes like Will and Steven both Stevens um and the draft season crew Dan like we've we've been we've been grinding so thank you guys for sticking with us and Will thank you so much for having me on man I yeah. appreciate it yeah of course and make sure like I say you subscribe to the channel following everybody at Twitter on socials and all this you know all those type of things Badlands up to 1900 uh subscribers which is pretty awesome push to you know 2000 by the end of the season I believe there's a watch party for the Thursday night I think it's November 4th the Thursday night um, game will be watch party TOJ Badlands draft season combo, um, you know, with people in the building, some drinks, food, um, hopefully watch the Jets beat up on Carson Wentz a little bit if he even makes it to week eight. So, um, yeah, a lot of exciting stuff. Make sure you're tuned in and, uh, you know, we'll talk to you guys on Tuesday and hopefully after a Jets win.